0: All right. Who has a change your world box? Who has one at their home? Okay, there's not enough hands up. So what, the, what this is, is we're teaming up with World Mission. World Mission is, like I said, they're spreading the gospel. And so we have these change your world boxes, which are in the back. Um, at the table, what you do is you just fill them up, loose change, bring them in, and they they provide the gospel to people who have never heard it before. So there's not enough hands raised. So when you leave, pick up a box, uh, fill it up and bring it back. If you have a box, continue to work on it and bring it in. Don't forget to bring it in. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that said, oh yeah, I have a box filled up, but um, yeah, I keep forgetting to bring it in. Well, that doesn't help us. So bring it in, bring it in. Um, if you're new here, uh, my name is Jake. I'm the pastor of, uh, of Access here, and I wanted to uh, highlight the guy who came up here and talked. His name is uh, Ryan Peters. Um, he's a pastor here on staff. He's a he's a close close friend of mine. He's he's just amazing. He just He really has a heart for this generation and so we're so privileged to have him here tonight and um, he's actually going to be with us at the Encounter Conference this Saturday. Um, And the Encounter Conference is a uh, conference where we're going to, um, in the morning. It's a, a one-day event this Saturday. And we're In the morning, we're going to get into just the heart of God, who God is and who he says we are. We're going to do some, some exercises and some different things in order to really learn how to hear the voice of God. And then in the afternoon, we're going to break them into groups of three and four. We're going to go out into the community, and we're going to pray for people. We're going to give money to people. We're going to bless people. We're going to serve people. Um, we're going to pray for miracles and all that good stuff. And then in the, in the evening, we're going to come back. We're going to share our testimonies and we're just going to celebrate what God did throughout the day. And the, the reason why we do this is not so that we can put a nice little Christian badge on our chest and say, look what we did. We feel good about ourselves. We did something good. No, this is an equipping, um, training because sometimes it can be intimidating to engage with people who we don't know, especially when we talk to them about God. And so what we want to do is provide an environment that's safe, an environment that you have encouragement where we can actually um, push each other and encourage each other to to follow Christ's mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So it's a safe place that we actually get to to, to train in that and learn that, not so that we can put the badge on, but so we can um, become more familiar with it and more confident so that we can do it at our works, we can do it at school, we can do it everywhere we go and just live a lifestyle of, of Christianity and I'm sharing God's love wherever we go. Um, I just took two of the announcements for later on. Um, man, I I, st- I almost don't want to preach anymore after that worship set. <laughs> that was just so good. Um, but I'm going, I'm going to try. I believe that God has a word, and I believe it connects with the, with the worship that we went through. Um, so if you would just pray with me as we, as we move on. God, I thank you for uh, the word that, that you're bringing tonight. God, I thank you that you, I ask God that you use me and you speak through me. God, I, I submit my, myself to you, God, and I ask that you lead me. Even if you, I have to go off my notes, God, I'm willing. I'm willing, God, to do whatever you wanna do so that we can effectively and properly get to know you, God. I thank you and we love you in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, so like last August, I, I was at kids or junior high camp at Resurrection Life Church. (laughs) Yeah. Junior high camp. Dylan leads that up. So anyway, I was at junior high camp and the weirdest thing happened to me. So we're, you know, you're with junior high. She's like messing around, swimming and all that stuff. We're like throwing the football around, climbing on this iceberg thing. That's like, it's like a rock climbing iceberg thing. And then you slide down it. You guys been on that? So it's a lot easier when you're small. Um, anyways, so I'm doing all this. We're, we're, we're climbing, doing all this activity. And it was a Tuesday and then I woke up on Wednesday morning and I couldn't, I couldn't lift my shoulder. I, it was just, it was just totally, totally just injured. And I, I didn't do one thing. It wasn't like one thing that did it. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I threw the football and then it was done or I, I was climbing and I felt it tweak. It was just, I woke up in the morning I couldn't even lift it. It was just like stuck. And so uh, the man that I am, um, I got home from, or my wife was actually at camp, so I'm telling her about it. And she's like, you gotta go to the doctor. And I'm like, I ain't going to no doctor. It'll heal itself. Or God will heal it. Because I was believing for that. So, month passed, didn't get any better. Two months passed, didn't get any better. Three months passed, got like a little better. Like a little bit better. So then I talked and I was like, maybe I should go to the doctor, but I don't really want to go to the doctor because I don't like the doctor. Abby and I are going over that conversation right now, but (laughs) she thinks I should go to the doctor. And I'm like, I don't like the doctor. She's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't like the doctor. Something we're working through. Um, And so three months and then finally I'm like, okay, how about this? Your sister, her sister is a physician's assistant. I'll talk to her and see what she says. So she, I do all these like exercises. She's like, oh, well, you probably have a partial tear in your rotator cuff. And then she gave me some exercises. And so I continue and I'm doing these exercises and I'm doing these exercises and it doesn't get any better. So I'm like, fine, I'm gonna try my own thing. So I'm like, maybe it's just like weak. So I'll just start working it out. And like, cause I haven't used it in like four months. So I start working it out. It doesn't get any better. So we're at like five, six months and my shoulder is still jacked up. And if you know me, I'm like one of the most active people that you know. I, I love volleyball, basketball, frisbee, spike ball, football. I mean, I'm always doing it and I couldn't do anything. The only positive that's come out of this is I've learned how to shoot a basketball in my left hand pretty well. Bobby, come on. <laughs> Bobby's hating on me. Come on. We play basketball on Tuesdays. I play with Bobby, so he everyone's says I can't, he says I can't. Yeah, everyone's welcome Tuesdays at four o'clock in the gym here at Res Life, if you play basketball. Anyway, so I went through this whole process and I couldn't, I did all the things that she told me. Finally, I said, like, fine, I'll go to the doctor. I'll go to the doctor. But I didn't go to like, a, I went to a kinesiologist. If you know what a kinesiologist is, it's like a cross between like a um, chiropractor and a witch doctor. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's, that's the raft that they get usually. And so I went to this, uh, I went to this uh, kinesiologist and I'm telling him my symptoms, like, I can't raise my arm. Like, it hurts when I do this, and it hurts. So I couldn't do this before. So it's pretty cool. That's so we're getting better. Anyway, so he gets, and I'm like, okay, yeah, my shoulder. And he's, like, adjusting my back. And I'm like, dude, no, it's my shoulder. My shoulder hurts. And then he's finally doing all these weird tests on me, like, put your finger here, and then, like, raise your arm, and then, like, it's electrical impulse thing. It's quite cool, actually, but any, anyway... Why are you laughing, babe? Oh, you're laughing at Danny? Okay, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, so finally he gets to this point and and he's adjusting me and he's like, he's like doing all this weird stuff and I'm really skeptical at this point. And then all all of a sudden he goes, I know what your problem is. I'm like, oh, do you? I know what your problem is. And he goes, okay, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lean back and I want you to Relax. Okay, and I'm gonna adjust your back. He said, What happens is you have actually have a, a muscle or a, like a vertebrae right in here that is out of whack, and that's what's limiting your shoulder. I'm like, dude, my shoulder hurts. <laughs> and so finally, I, he's like, This might hurt. I'm like, Yeah, whatever. And he goes, So he's like, a, You know, been to the chiropractor? Like when they're in the neck, and you're like, You're gonna kill me. He's like, <laughs> 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 you're like, Oh my gosh, my life is in your hands. So, anyway, he, he takes my, my, my chest and he does this weird thing and, and he goes, Couldn't I go? <coughs> it was like, Oh my gosh. And he goes, Raise your arm. I go, Holy cow, you are a witch doctor. <laughs> and in my shoulder, not all the pain left, but it immediately it freed up a whole muscle group within my shoulder that, that freed it up. It was incredible. I give him a kiss on the forehead and I said, You're the man, Doc. (laughs) And I left. So I I have a point to that story. Sometimes we have an area that hurts in our life and we're trying to fix that area, but that area is not the problem. There's another part of our life that's actually out of alignment. There's another area in our life that we actually need to get corrected in order for freedom to align in the other part of our body. So we're in a series right now, the second week called Roots. Last week, we talked about forgiveness. In roots, what the heart of roots is, is there are things in our lives, there are habits, there are hangups, there are habitual sins that we continue to do, that we don't want to do, that we continue to fall into, and we always are trying to fix our behavior when in reality there's a root issue that's feeding in to the sin and feeding into what the real problem is. And so kind of what our staple verse for the root series is 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I said it last week. We only have freedom in the areas where we allow the spirit to enter. Remember we did the Heisman. Sometimes we have areas in our life that we don't want God to touch because it hurts too much. And in those areas, we will never have freedom unless we let God in to heal them. And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about King David. David, from the book of Samuel, we know him as the man after God's own heart. You might have heard of him when he killed Goliath. You might remember the story when he played the harp for King Saul. And I want to talk about David. He was a mighty man. He was a a man after God's own heart. He was a worshiper like we've never seen. He was a warrior like we've never seen. But he had some problems. He had some major problems. One of his problems was that he was a terrible father. He loved his kids, but he was a terrible father. And I want, to, I want to play out a scenario of, of his, his family life and I want to get into why, why David did what he did and then we'll kind of learn from that. And so David had three kids or he had a lot of kids actually, but I want to focus in on, on, on three, four of them but we'll get to the fourth later on. There are three kids. One name is Absalom, is a son. He had a sister named Tamar. And then they, he had another son named Amnon. Now David had, David had multiple wives. We don't know exactly how many he had. He had wives and concubines. And um, well, that's a problem in and of itself right there. Um, so we had, the kids were often half siblings. So they weren't full siblings. They were half siblings, but Absalom and Tamar, Tamar's a woman, Absalom's a man. They were full brother and sister. Amnon was a half brother to them. And so, what happened was Amnon actually fell and lost after Tamar, and it was a terrible it was a terrible thing that happened. And, and Amnon actually forced himself on Tamar and violated her um, sexually. And after he did that, so they're half brother and sister, Amnon violated. Tamar, Absalom, who's the, who's the brother of Tamar, came in and, and, and found Tamar after, Ab, after Amnon had did what he did. And Absalom took, took what happened. And he so he, you can imagine, like it's this terrible, terrible, terrible scenario where Absalom walks into and he comes and he relays the message back to his father, King David, who's the king of Israel. And David does nothing. David does nothing. For two years, David doesn't even mention it. He does nothing about the situation until finally Absalom. This is stirring, this unforgiveness, this hatred towards his half-brother is stirring until one day he snaps and he kills his brother Amnon. Two years after it happened. So now you have King David who's a father and he has his sons who are in total chaos. Absalom just kills Amnon and they, and they, they take that and David finds out and David does nothing. Some father, he does nothing So Absalom runs away often to a different land for three years. And for three years, David never mentions it. He never talks about it. He's ignoring the situation. And then after three years, Absalom comes back. And when Absalom comes back, he still hasn't dealt with any of the issues he has towards his father. And so he's continuing to boil up in hatred towards his father. When he comes back, he attempts to actually take his father's kingdom and tries to overthrow and he leads a rebellion against his father. And David does nothing until finally Absalom leads his army against David's army and Absalom dies. But why? So David was a terrible father. We can see that. We can see that in, it's not that he didn't love his kids. It's just that he was, he had bad parenting skills. Why? Why? Remember, there's always a root issue to, to some of the, 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 the things and the sins that we commit and the issues that we have. There's always a root issue. Why and what were the roots for David's failure as a parent? And if you, if you look at it and if you think about David's life, it starts to make a little bit of sense. When David was a son, if you remember the story about when when he was chosen to be king, his father was Jesse and the prophet Samuel came and he was going to anoint a son of Jesse's house to be king. So Jesse gets his eight sons. He gets seven of them and lines them up and he leaves David to tend the sheep. And we don't really think about the the implications and the messages that were sent to David in that moment. But you can imagine if you have seven brothers and and one of you is going to get chosen to be king and and your dad says, no, you stay away. You're not good enough. So we get this picture of of David's father being very absent from his life. We get a picture of David's father being very, very standoffish and very distant from him. So we never actually had a, a picture of what a good father looked like. And the thing about kids and young boys is how we learn, and young kids, especially back then, how they learned how to be a parent was through watching their parents. There weren't like books on parenting back then. There there weren't YouTube videos and conferences about parenting. You basically would grow up to be the parent that your parent was to you. And that's still true to this day. And so David was rejected by his father. So if he didn't have a role model to be a good father, you can imagine why when he became a father, he just reproduced what he saw as a child. And then we see David with his brothers. His brothers despised him. You see that picture in 1 Samuel when, when Goliath is out in the hill. You remember he's calling out all the Israelites. Goliath was the soldier from the Philistine army. He's calling out the Israelites to come fight him. And David comes commissioned by his father to bring bread to his brothers who are in the army. And he brings the bread to his brothers. And then his, and then his brother says, what are you doing here? You need to leave. Get out of here. You have, you have evil motives for being here. And you would think as an older brother, if your little brother, your youngest brother came into a situation or an atmosphere of of war that you would try to protect him. No, but his older brother ridiculed and attacked him. So David was rejected by his brothers. Another another male authority figure in David's life was King Saul. Saul. King Saul was tormented by demons and David actually would come with his harp and he'd play the harp for him. And then, and then King Saul, the spirits would, would stop tormenting him and he'd have peace. But what happened with Saul is that Saul actually desired to kill David after that. Because David actually grew in favor. He killed Goliath. He started, he led Saul's army and people started to follow David. And so Saul got bitter and he started attacking and his mission to end his life was to kill David. He was rejected by King Saul. So he was rejected by his father. He was rejected by his older older brothers and he was rejected by King Saul. So you get this picture of why David might've been the father that he was, why he might've been that way. But can I tell you something? The reason why he was a bad father was not because of those things. The reason why he was a bad father is because he never dealt with his pain. The reason why he became a bad father was because he never opened up and brought his pain and his past into the presence of God. He hid it inside of him and he never talked about it. And I believe that's true for us. Sometimes we have issues in our lives and we refuse to bring them to the light. Here's a fact of life. We all have pain. The fact of life is we all have pain. We all have things in our past that have been painful and that have been hard for us to actually go through. And in the, in the, in the natural instinct of us, of, of us is to hide in shame from the pain so that we don't have to revisit the message that was sent through the pain. Because here's the reality about pain. As a young child, as, as kids, we have experiences with our, with our family. We have experiences with our schools. We have experiences with our friends. Whether that's maybe your dad left. Maybe your mom left. Maybe your parents got divorced. Maybe your parent, one of your parents was unfaithful. Maybe you were rejected socially. Maybe as a kid, you were mocked by all the peers and all the friends in your class. And even mocked by your teachers. Maybe you failed at school. Maybe you failed at sports. Maybe you were abused as a kid. Maybe you were abused physically. Maybe you were abused sexually. So what happens is that the the problem with pain is not the pain. The problem with pain is the message that is sent. So every time we go through a tough or a painful experience, we get a message that's attached to us. There's a message that's attached to pain. When we we get rejected, it says, you're not good enough. When our parents get divorced, it says, it's your fault. When you get when you get put into a classroom, or you get put into a situation where you need extra help in school, you get a message that you're just stupid. And then when you go through and you get mocked in school, they said I'm always going to be alone. And then you have situations where you're abused physically, or you're abused sexually, and you say I'm worthless, and I'm only I'll always be abused. So the the deal with pain is not the actual pain. It's the message when we look down at our lives and we revisit the past, it's these messages that are stuck to us. It's these messages that are are screaming louder than even sometimes what the Bible says or what we're told by people that we love. And what happens is these, these, these messages of pain when we're young, what ha- when we're young, we don't know how to deal with pain. When we're young, we don't know how to how to handle situations that are tough. In these messages, and the devil uses them to speak lies into our life, into our mind. And so instead of instead of believing what our, what maybe our uh, pastors or parents or even friends say about us, we believe these things about us. And and what happens is, if you want to put up, there's a game. Put a picture up of the game. You guys ever played Operation? So, I was looking up these pictures. If you noticed the pictures that they have of this game it 's literally like a, that's like a naked guy on the front it 's like ridiculous. I was going to put the picture up. But I thought it might have been a little bit inappropriate. I wonder why this is a kid 's game, but anyway then there 's like a par- there 's like a parenting version where there 's two people, and it 's like this is just weird. <laughs> why would they make a game like this? put some clothes on them or something? Anyway, so in the game of operation, right, you have like a little utensil and, you, and little tweezers and you try to like go in, right? And you try to like pull the thing out and you try not to touch the edge because if you touch the edge, it goes, eh, eh, and the, the red light flashes and you, and you lose. You try to pull the, the things out and you try to do the operation without touching those, those sensitive areas. What I believe is that the things, that, the, things the habitual sins, the the failure, the lies that we believe and the outbursts that we have and the things that we, in the lies and the voices that keep speaking to us happen because one of these messages got touched. When you believe that, when we believe the lie that we're a failure and we experience failure in our life, it brings us back to some coping mechanism. And that's what I want to get into next is this idea of what happens when our, these messages are touched and how we cope with them. I believe there are three coping mechanisms that, do I have any more? I can't, one more, okay, there we go, we're good. I believe that we have some coping mechanisms and what happens is, is when we, those buttons are touched, that's when the outbursts of like, we fall into a sin that we just can't seem to get out of or we, or we, or we start going to something, some, some addictive property that we've had, some addiction that we've had, or we, 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 we continue in some sort of lie that we believe, but there's always something that triggers that. And what I believe is that oftentimes we see the fruit or we see the actions that we do or the sins that we commit and we try to change the action instead of changing the root. What we're actually doing is we're using an incorrect tool. We're not using the right tool. We're not changing the right area. And so what I want to do is I want to point out some common non-curing coping mechanisms. So these coping mechanisms will never cure you. They will never cure me. They actually make it only worse because it prolongs the pain and the process in which we're dealing with the pain. And the first way that we cope with pain, a common non-curing coping mechanism is we medicate our pain, medicate our pain. And this is usually seen through addictions, habitual habits that seem impossible to break. This could look like alcohol abuse, drug abuse, prescription drug abuse, sexual problems, pornography, abusing food, gambling, addictions to TV or media. And what happens is when that area in our life is touched and that, that pain that we've dealt with and that message that we've, that we've accepted gets touched, we revert to this coping mechanism of medicating it through our addictions. So when this is touched, it's the message, it's the voice that says, yeah, you need to go back to that. You need to go back to the alcohol. Yeah, the only way that you're gonna be relieved of this is, is, is through the drugs. The only way that you're gonna be relieved of this is if you just go gamble. The only way you're gonna be relieved of this is if you just go do this. And it doesn't actually heal us. It just masks the pain that we're still dealing with. And the fact of life is that we all have pain. This message is for everyone. This message is for me. We all have pain that we go through. And the problem is never the problem. The problem is not alcoholism. The problem is not drugs. The problem is not gambling. The problem is not pornography. The problem is never the problem. There's always a root issue to the problem. There's always a pain that has, that's, un, that's been unresolved that we need to allow Jesus to heal. So I want to focus in and read a verse, Matthew 12, It says, make a tree good, its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You <laughs> see, all the time we're like, we need to change the fruit, we need to change the fruit. Jesus is saying, you need to, get a, you need to focus on the tree in the roots. Stop focusing on the fruit all the time. Get to the roots. Get to the root issues. And when you become in Christ, you actually become a new tree, a new creation. We need to stop dealing with our old self and dealing with our new self. And so we see David. David was a medicator. David medicated his pain through, through uh, sexual habits. He had multiple wives. He had concubines. He masked his pain through sex. And you can see it through his, his multiple wives and concubines. You can see it through the time when he when he committed adultery against Bathsheba. The pain that he had about his father, about not being fathered, the pain that was unresolved that he never dealt with, manifested itself in being sexually impure. Solomon Solomon, David's son, that that medicating Um, coping mechanism was transferred to Solomon. He had a thousand wives. A thousand wives. I only have one wife and I love her with all my heart. Thousand wives. He had a problem. He was medicating the pain. What was Solomon's pain? Well, let's think about here. Solomon was the son of Bathsheba and David. He was the son of scandal. He was on the front page of the National Enquirer. He was on the front page of all the gossip magazines. They were, they were Snapchatting him all the time. They were Instagramming him. Solomon, the son of scandal. The king slept with the woman who was bathing, whose name is Bathsheba, She always confused me. It's like, you wonder if that was really her name or not. I trust the Bible, but it's kind of funny sometimes that her name was Bathsheba and she was taking a bath when David saw her. Anyway, so Solomon had pain and that unresolved pain of being a son of scandal led him to to medicate himself with with sex and multiple wives and Amnon, David's other son. He was a medicator. He had sexual iniquities. He sexually violated his half-sister. And here's here's the reality. If David would have dealt with his pain, he would have been a better father. If he'd have dealt with his pain, he'd have been free from the, from the from the manifestation and from the sin that he was dealing with. The second way that we deal with pain. So either so you might be in a different class of how you how you medicate or how you cope or how you cope with your pain. This is a second second type is you motivate pain. And this is a busy body. This is someone who can't stop. This is someone who's always having noise going and things going. You're always driven. You're always focusing on goals. You're never silent. You're never still. You're always moving. You won't stand still because when you stand still, the voices come. The ghosts come. When you sit still, the pain of your past always is reminding you of your failure and reminding of you of the pain. And so instead of dealing with it, you just keep yourself busy, 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 busy. You're always doing something. Even, in the, even when you're not doing anything, you have Netflix on and you, and you, and you binge watch Netflix. <laughs> Motivate our pain. Solomon was a motivator as well. He was a medicator and a motivator. Solomon was the busiest person. He built and he, and he and he had he built the temple and he was the richest and wealthiest and wisest man to ever walk the earth. Silver had no value in his kingdom. That's how rich he was. That's how much gold he had. But this is, what, this is what Solomon said after all of his life, after building the most fabulous kingdom in the history of the world. In Ecclesiastes 1.14, he says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Psalm 37.7, this is important. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. People, people who motivate their pain can never stand still before the Lord. Even when they stand still before the Lord, you got worship music going on, you're always reading, you're always praying, you're always talking, you never sit still, and you're never silent, because when you're silent, the voices come. Before, the third way that we, we cope with pain is we meditate pain. And we see this with Absalom. This is somebody who who just has the pain and they just fester and think about it and it burns inside of them and it it turns into hatred and bitterness. We see this in Absalom when he he lets it sit for two years and he finally kills his brother Amnon. This is one of the most dangerous ways that we can cope with pain is, is just letting it fester. This is why in Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. This is what happens when we have anger that's inside of us and we go to bed, we're allowing, when we go to sleep on anger, we are allowing the devil to counsel us. The devil becomes our counselor because it gives him a foothold. It gives him an area that he can hold on to. And he's going to be telling you, he, it says it's the devil and it's the Greek word diablos, which means slanderer, which means liar, accuser. So he's going to be telling you all the things that are wrong with the person that you're angry at. When you meditate that pain and you, and you d- decide just to be angry and, and have hatred towards someone, the devil becomes your counselor he becomes our counselor and he's going to tell you all the things wrong with that other person. And he's going to give you there. He's going to give you his perspective on that person. And he's going to be the one giving you the information about someone else. So we either medicate, we motivate or we meditate our pain. Remember everyone has pain And we're all going to deal with it some way. One of the most important things that we could ever do is identify the way that we cope with pain. Because when we identify that, we can identify the root issue, what's causing us to go into our coping mechanism. And I want to end this way. We can rise above our pain. We can rise above the pain of our past and become the people that God has created us to be. But we can't do it on our own. It comes through surrender to Jesus Christ. It comes through being honest and open. And, and and there are um. There's a truth here. There's a truth here. This is the title of my message tonight because we need to identify the way that we cope, but we also need to come to the light. So there's a there's a reality, and if you can um, pull the lights and do that real quick, there's a reality about darkness and light. And here's the reality. The darkness belongs to the devil. Whatever's in the darkness belongs to the devil. He, can, he has control over those areas. But as soon as we come to the light, as soon as we come to the area of light, can you turn the, oh, there it is. As soon <laughs> I thought it was gonna be darker. It's okay, don't worry about it. As soon as we come to the light, as soon as we expose the, the area that's hurting and the pain, it becomes God's domain. The darkness is the devil's domain. The light is, in God's, is God's domain. He has authority in the light. But here's the devil. The devil's always whispering to you saying, if you ever come into the light, you'll be exposed and everyone will hate you. Right. If you come to the light, there's no one else like you. You're the only one. So if you come to the light, you're going to be rejected. But here's the reality. God actually wants to use the pain of your past to free people into their purpose. But we cannot actually be used by God until he redeems our pain. And he heals our pain. So this is, my, this is my message for tonight. We need to come out of the darkness. We all have pain, guys. We all have things in the, in the past hurts. We need to come out of this place and be real with ourselves. And we need to come before God and bring it to the light. Because God is our healer. Jesus is our healer. And um, there, there's four things that, that we, we need to do tonight. As we come into the light. The first thing we need to do is face it. We need to be honest with our pain. We need to face the we need to face the reality that we were in darkness but now we're in light. We need to face the pain. The second thing we need to do is we need to fess up. We need to admit the coping mechanisms that we have a tendency to fall into and identify those things. So we need to face the pain, we need to fess up on our coping mechanism. The third thing we need to do is we need to find Jesus. Hebrews 4 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way that we are. Yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus has gone through everything, all the pain that you've been through. Jesus received all the messages that you received. And he is our high priest and he can he can sympathize and empathize with us. So when we bring our pain to Jesus, we're bringing, bringing it to someone who understands. Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I've seen a lot of people who have brought, who have um, mourned who are not comforted. And there's a different, there's a, I'm gonna rephrase this. Blessed are those who bring their pain towards Jesus for they will be vindicated, understood and healed. Blessed are you when you bring your pain towards Jesus, for they will, you will be vindicated, understood, and healed. In and Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all you are heavy laden and burdened. Come to me and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy. Jesus is the most gentle person there is. He's not going to touch your pain. He's going to heal your pain. He's not going to push your buttons to make it hurt worse. He's going to heal it. But the devil's going to tell you, if you bring that to God, he's going he's to condemn you. But the opposite is true. When we bring it to God, he heals it. So we need to face it, fess up. We need to find Jesus and we need to forgive. Most often the people that we need to forgive is we need to forgive ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves of the decisions that we've made. We need to forgive ourselves of the past that we've, that we've lived. We need to forgive ourselves. And the last thing we need to do is we need to follow Jesus forward. Because Jesus wants to use your pain. And he wants to bring peace and healing to it. So that you can bring pain to those around you who have dealt with the same thing. The most powerful thing that we can do is bring our, bring our wounds to Jesus. Jesus bring our scars to Jesus. He heals them so that we can then turn and we can minister and help people who've gone, who are going through the same things. It's the most powerful ministry that there is. That's why we share testimonies. So to end, I know we're a little bit over, but I believe this is really important. To end, I wanna, bring, I wanna ha- give us some time um, to do those five things, to face it, to fess up, to find Jesus, to forgive, to forgive ourselves and then to follow Jesus forward, making that commitment to follow Jesus forward. So there's gonna be some music being played. And if, you, if you're here and you know the pain and you know the unresolved issues that you've had to deal with in your life, and you know the things that I'm talking about, you know the the person you need to forgive, you know the situation that still haunts you to this day and you just haven't dealt with it, if you know what that is, I'm gonna ask you to, to bring it to the light. Don't let that stay in darkness anymore. The devil has been counseling us for way too long. It's time that we come to the light because Jesus wants to heal us. He wants to speak to us and he wants to actually to bring freedom. If you could play that music, that track. He wants to actually to bring freedom to our lives. So as you close your eyes and you and you, and you position your mind and you, and you position your and yourself in a position of prayer and connection with God, I, I ask that one you go through and you, you visit that pain, that pain that you've just tried to ignore for so long, that pain, that situation that you've just, you, you've let, that you've motivated, that you've medicated and that you've meditated that pain that whenever it's touched, that message that whenever it's touched, you go towards something, that pain. It might might be hard. Second thing is I want you to fess up to yourself and to God and say, God, I'm sorry that I've been medicating my pain. I'm sorry that I've been motivating my pain. sorry that i've been meditating on my pain god i'm sorry the third thing is to define jesus so you say i'm sorry jesus say jesus you went through the same thing so jesus heal me ask him to heal you ask him to take that pain and if you need to forgive someone or you need to forgive yourself Forgive yourself for what you've done. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not condemning you. He's loving you. He's encouraging you. every pain has a message that's accompanied by it. Now, some, I believe there are some people tonight that, that there's been a message that's marked their life forever. There's been a word that's des- that's described you and you've identified with a negative word, whether that's worthless, whether that's a nobody, whether that's lonely, whether that's whatever it is. It's a word that you've identified yourself with. That's a byproduct of pain that you've gone through that's you I want you to do do an exercise with me here and I want you to picture that word close your eyes and I want you to spell out that word in front of you and just look at that word whether it's worthless Take this word from me. Jesus, take this word from me. Now Jesus wants to give you a new word. So whether you maybe imagine it in front of you, or maybe it's a thought that comes to your mind, I believe Jesus wants to give you a new word that's going to identify you. That's going to speak to you. That's going to give life to you. Jesus, I thank you for, for, for being a healer, God. I thank you for being so gentle and kind with us, God. And as we go, God, we, we we commit to living a lifestyle of being people who come to the light. We live a lifestyle of not hiding from you, God, but we live a lifestyle of, of standing before you, not holding anything back, not hiding anything. our past and redeeming it to use it as a testimony to set other people free thank you for Jesus who forgave us of our sins and who's cleansed us from from all unrighteousness he's healed us God he's called us sons and daughters
1: Uh,
2: so they asked me to do the offering message uh, a few days ago, and I had no idea what I was going to say. Some other things ran through my head from previous messages, but um, I just wanted something new, and uh, it wasn't until standing back there um, when Christian was actually giving his uh, testimony that uh, the verse just popped into my head. And it's uh, Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So as I was thinking of an offering message, you know, like offer your tithe and everything, and, and just so many instances throughout that, mes- that message and, and the worship of just offering your life, your, your life, pursuing him. And this is something for myself that spoke to myself. Is just like, I know I'm holding back parts of my life like I know it and it's frustrating to me but man just and I pray about it all the time just giving him everything and walking in what he's created me to be and each of you to be but it just takes that willingness to open your heart and surrender your life and just just be all in and and it's something that I definitely look forward to and I encourage you all to and to challenge me in this to keep me accountable and challenge me and ask me you know What's new? what have you surrendered new in your life and and like God just wants to bless you in that in, in whatever you offer and it's just about getting after this thing you know i'm I'm tired of going through the motions and man that message and the worship was just speaking to me countless times over and over about that so I uh, just want to pray over whatever whatever God's put on your heart to give don't feel compelled you know whatever's just on your heart. So, Father, we just come before you. We thank you for everything you're doing in each of our lives. The way you're you're breaking down walls, God, and you're just calling us into our true identity of of what you created us to be, and what you sent your Son to die on the cross for that that would just overpower any lies of the world, any lies of the enemy that that stick those those sticky notes to us, those messages through through our pain. Father, we just come against that in the name of Jesus. That that we would all be empowered to walk in the identity that, that you sent your son to die for and help us to understand that there may be times when we slip up, but that is, God's just standing up there. Like it's okay. Like my son still died for you. I still have a plan for you regardless. So father, I just, I just pray blessing over this offering. I pray that you will use this to, to destroy the kingdom of hell and, and and battle the darkness wherever wherever this money goes, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen.
3: Now it's time. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> After that, like nice and somber message, and then Bobby we were like, "All right, well, let's be cheerful." <laughs> All right. So this Saturday is the encounter conference. I want to pose a question: How of you guys have? The desire to hear from God. Like, like, you've been in like your personal worship time, you're like, I like, I've never heard him. Like, I just I wanna hear God's voice, I wanna hear God speak to me, His direction to plan for my life. Come this Saturday, literally, this will change your life. Uh, it's one of the things that we're gonna be mainly speaking on is the chance, the opportunity to hear the voice of God as He speaks to you, as He calls you direction, as He just guides you in day-to-day basis life.
3: We get to encounter Jesus and encounter food, so that's always good. Um, Next, we have small groups. Who's a part of a small group? Who needs a small group? One, two, sweet. So we have um, a sign-up at the table in the back. Um, Our small groups are really awesome. We have a lot of people that are involved. Um, Just really good to be in community and to learn more about Jesus. Yeah, so that'll be at the table in the back there.
1: Uh, we also have world mission going on. Uh, Jake was in the video before service, and that's still going on. The time is if indefinite, is the word to use. So like, if you have your change of Roblox and it's full, feel free. Seriously, bring it in. Like, it does you no good sitting on your shelf. It's just a box of quarters otherwise. Uh, if you don't want one, or if you don't have one and you do want one, excuse me, uh, we have some in the back. We, seriously, we'll hand them out like free candy, because we want to impact the world dramatically because we share the light of Christ that's in us to the world
3: shouldn't really be announcing this because i've never been there but uh we have a sunday at sunday services we have an access hub i don't know where it's at uh
1: it's uh in <laughs> just outside the <laughs> um, main sanctuary there on the the ground level not the yep. upper level
3: yeah i don't know what else to say about that
1: uh we, we that. generally <laughs> meet after the first service before the second service if you want to hang out before or after you're more than welcome someone dropped the phone you're more than welcome to uh come hang out with us we'd love for you guys to see you get connected if you go to the main service, or shoot if you don't go to the main service at least come for the access them. it's pretty sweet some cool guys go there and girls too gender neutral i guess
3: <laughs> thanks andrew um, and then we have uh for new visitors who's our new visitors i know one So also at that table back there, there's a lot of people that want to meet you and welcome you um, and give you a free mug and some free food. So yeah, welcome. And then we also, I'm going to know. We have a prayer team uh, that stands up front here. So if you need prayer for anything, healing or just whatever in general, come up to these people. They want to talk to you and pray with you. So, yeah. That's it. Have a good week. Have a
1: blessed week. And I guess... Go to the Encounter Conference. Seriously, change your life.